We've all had jobs where the commute just seemed to go on for absolutely forever. Especially when you're in the world of brewing, where early starts and late finishes can be part and parcel of the role. And Dylan Mobley, the head brewer at Anaheim's Rad Beer Co, knew that feeling all too well. Driving from his home in Long Beach, California, to Stone Brewing in Escondido was the best part of 100 miles each way. While he loved the role, something had to give, so he eventually moved to pastures new. And in the years that followed, Mobley would go on to help shape and create some of the most revered beers in the modern US scene as head brewer at Anaheim's Bottle Logic Brewing. But in 2021, his focus is now firmly on Rad Beer Co., a new brewery and tasting room concept that embodies California culture and promises a consumer a wealth of delicious beers with a focus on lagers and clean, classic German pilsners. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. Even if you only have a passing interest in beer, there's a strong chance during this last year that you've longed for the opportunity to while away an afternoon in the garden of one of Germany's many fantastic beer kellers. After all, in my opinion at least, it is one of the great experiences hospitality can offer, and one so understandably missed during the last 12 months. Institutions such as the Augustiner Keller and the Lohenbrau Keller were among the most popular places to enjoy a beer in Munich. Take a 15-minute drive from these venerable spots and you'll find the World Brewing Academy, an alliance established by the Dolmens Academy in Germany and the Siebel Institute of Technology in Chicago. Its purpose is to provide students with a truly international brewing education, leveraging more than 100 years of tradition of both the Siebel Institute and the Dolmens Academy. And one former student of this reputed establishment is Dylan Mobley, who we join today on a drive around Southern California. A graduate of its highly regarded WBA Master Brewer program, he has gone on to brew beers both loved and sought after. His creations have taken home silver, gold, and best in show honors at the Festival of Barrel Aged Beer, the World Beer Cup, and the Great American Beer Festival. It's somewhat fitting then, that for someone schooled in one of Europe's finest beer cities, Mobley is now focusing on much-loved German styles as head brewer at Rad Beer Co. in Anaheim. But that doesn't mean he won't be having fun with lots of different types of beer either. The team of partners that I've got on this, um, we all we all got together for actually a very different um, brewery concept, which we, we may still do down the road, but with COVID, it just wasn't the right time. So in the meantime, one of the four partners had an idea for this hot dog and sausage restaurant called Radbrot. So we, we came across a pretty turnkey uh, restaurant space and we got that up and running. And then we got wind of this brewery in Anaheim that was looking to sell. Again, just kind of too good of an opportunity to pass by. So yeah, it, it didn't work for the original concept, but it was a perfect size brewery to you know, make beer for not only the tasting room there in Anaheim, but also the restaurant down in Dana Point. And, you know, we'll, we'll have some excess beer that we can do, you know, some fun can releases and a little bit of sales and distribution to outside accounts. So, yeah, that's kind of how Rad Beer came about. And um, yeah, we decided to keep the branding within the, the Radbrot 
team. It's been really fun. Rad Beer Co. is the vision of Dylan Mobley alongside Cameron Collins, the founder of Brouhaha Productions, as well as Joe Wilshire of Docent Brewing and Project Social, and also Steve Martin of Project Social. Rad Beer Co. aims to embody California culture with a lively, unpretentious ambience and the aesthetic of a 90s skate shop and beloved record store. Housed in a 4,500 square foot space, it features a tasting room boasting 20 taps of fresh beer brewed on site. And while Mobley is raring to go, his new role isn't one he initially planned for. Well, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a long story. Um, so I, I actually left Bottle Logic, you know, pretty well on my way to opening my own brewery. And we we're actually looking down in Dana Point as well. Uh, we were pretty far along on the process with the property management group for executing the lease and on the third revision of the lease uh they they changed the terms of our um renewal options so it was it was effectively a 10-year lease and you know it's just too it's too big of an investment um to have to plan to cut everything out and move your 10 you know you're going to leave a half a million in the building any way you look at it so I walked away from that and um, went, you know, back to ground zero for property search. And then this property came up that got my mind thinking about it a, a little bit different of a mixed use concept and called my friend Cameron, who I'd known just through the beer industry. He runs um, Brouhaha Productions, a lot of beer and music festivals. And I'd asked him if he ever wanted to do a brick and mortar concert space. And he kind of chuckled and he's like, we should get a beer tomorrow. And I guess he and um, my other partner, Joe, they had already been looking for space for exactly this, but there was no concrete plan on the beer side, whether they were going to partner with an existing brewery, um, hire a brewer, you know, they, they hadn't really navigated that yet. And uh, it just, the, the partnership just made sense. So we all teamed up and started looking for that. Uh, and then, like I said, COVID hit, and it's not like anyone's looking to do live events anytime soon. Um, so we just pivoted a little bit. Um, but my, my agreement with Helmsman was, you know, they, they, we were very open about my my plans. Um, but for Mario Maravic, the, the owner, uh, one, one of the owners, but um, of Helmsman, you know, he... We, we just saw a mutually beneficial relationship there where, you know, he gets a good beer program right off the bat. Uh, you know, I, I had a pretty good reputation in Orange County craft beer as it was. So we got a little bit of a bump there right at the opening and uh, developed his whole beer program and operating procedures. And then, uh, you know, when it was time for me to step away, I, Part of our agreement was I would help hire a replacement and train them. So, yeah, it was it was busy the last few months at Helmsman for sure because uh, we had so much going on between Brad Brat Restaurant and Dana Point, and then the acquisition of Brad Beer and getting that built out. But it's it's been fun. It's been a journey. But before Helmsman and now Rad Beer, Mobley held a number of positions in the world of beer. My first job was 
stone brewing after brewing school. And I, I actually really liked working for stone. That was, it was a combination. I, I kind of run the gamut there. I, I'd worked in all areas of production for the cellar, uh, center fusion filtration, and then finishing up on the brew house. I kind of gained all, all the knowledge that I could have from stone. But the real decision to leave was because my wife and I were trying to start a family. She finally got pregnant. And, uh, you know, I was commuting from Long Beach to Escondido, which is 80 miles away. So I, I figured I should probably be closer to home as uh, the family is arriving. <laughs> he would leave Stone Brewing in 2014, and several different roles lay in wait. From Stone, from 2013 to 14. Um, and then I, I briefly worked at Angel City in downtown L.A., which I, I was very excited about the job opportunity. But in, in practice, what we actually did there was not how the job was explained to me. We were supposed to be a, like a think tank for Boston Beer Company. And, you know, I show up and it turns out we're just chasing our tails on Angel City IPA, you know, like everybody was at that time. Every, everyone, you know, 70% of their production was IPA and no one could make enough. And, you know, the facility had its challenges. I didn't see a ton of room for growth there. So it was maybe a couple months before I just kept my ear to the ground for other opportunities. Came across the job posting for a head brewer position at Bottle Logic. Met with them. I really liked, you know, what their, what their goals were and just was a good fit so I, I i think i was at angel city maybe just over six months and then jumped over to bottle logic and i worked with them from april 2015 to april 2019 and grew them a lot and we, we grew from 800 barrels a year to just shy of 6,000 by the time i left yeah it was a really fun job fun time to be there still i have great relationships with all those guys just really good people there bottle logic brewing is an outfit that has developed an esteemed reputation for the quality of its hop forward output but it's the brewery's barrel age releases such as fundamental observation and ground state that get beer fans from across the globe calling in favors from family and friends to do all in their power to secure a bottle of this sought after liquid and they are beers that mobley has played a key role in creating and refining during his four years with the business Probably my biggest contribution to Bottle Logic was mostly with just tightening up procedures, how, how you move beer around the brewery and keep everything, you know, within a specification, whether it's dissolved oxygen content or, you know, you name it, just establishing best practices. Yeah, their recipe development was early on, it was pretty 50 50 between. One of the owners and I, Wes Parker is the owner and brewmaster there. So we worked very closely on new beers. Towards, towards the end, you know, we, we'd worked so much on so many different styles. He's pretty confident in, you know, whatever I wanted to do. So I, he, he'd always approve them ultimately. But, um, yeah, I got a, lot of, uh, got a lot of freedom there to make some fun stuff. Um, as far as what I learned there, I think... What Bottle Logic does very well is, you know, keeping a pulse on what the real craft enthusiasts looking for and just, I mean, it's kind of their, their tagline, you know, always exploring and they really, they really live it. 
Time spent mastering these dark and decadent delights gave Mobley a true appreciation of the whole process from formulation to brewing and packaging. Several of the barrel-aged beers, I think, were just outstanding beers. I gained a, a huge appreciation for how much work goes into those. Managing the barrel aging is one thing, but then the, the treatment of the beer after the barrel aging and what we're going to put in it and how we're going to put it in and how to keep it all you know, stable for long-term bottle cellaring. Because you know, a lot of these people, they, they hold on to the beers for years and they store them in their home cellar at room temperature and you know, and a lot of what we were doing there was adding ingredients that <laughs> really make that problematic. You know, when you're when you're adding um, sweetness to a beer on the back end right before packaging, and the whole goal is to have that sweetness remain. You know, you can't have it ferment not only because it won't be the product that you want people to be drinking, but there's a safety issue too. You start blowing up bottles in people's closets. <laughs> So to avoid this eventuality, Mobley and the team were meticulous in their approach to the beers that they packaged. Like any anything that we were going to be adding sweetness in on the back end, we would centrifuge the beer and remove as much yeast as possible. So we'd centrifuge it into one tank, and then we would filter it through. As you know, they're technically sterile pads, so they're they're supposed to hold back anything larger than 0.4 micron. Uh, so we we run through the filters into the packaging tank. Uh, we would take a sterile sample of the beer, hold it for a week under forced fermentation. So we'd, we'd take a sterile sample. We would dose that beer with, you know, the approximate amount of sugar increase that we were going to be seeing from whatever ingredient that was and hold it on a shaker table for a week. And if we didn't get any drop in gravity, then we knew that we had successfully removed all the yeast and we would green light the tank to receive the ingredient. He also recognizes that as a brewery, you need significant infrastructure to get the job done right. It took a lot of brainstorming about how, how to do it, but then, you know, to have the infrastructure to actually be able to execute it. You know, that's the big kicker. You know, not, not everybody has the luxury of, putting a centrifuge in their brewery. I mean, it's costly. They, they're very, um, they require a lot of electricity. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of breweries that just, even if they had the money to do it, they probably don't have the power in the building to do it. However, for breweries such as Bottle Logic, which produce and package these beers incredibly well, there is a loyal and growing fan base for these releases. But despite the fantastic reviews so many of these beers receive, do they always get the credit they deserve? I, I think you have customers who just, yeah, they look at an imperial style that's full of chocolate and fruit and coffee and whatever other spices, and they're like, well, can I even taste the beer anymore? Like, they kind of just wanted an imperial. I think it, from a manufacturer's point of view, we just have to understand that, like, if, if you're going to make that style of beer, well, you're not satisfying that customer. But... They're also, you know, the, the people that are buying all, all those bottles, they really want those really big flavored uh, stouts with a bunch of extra ingredients in them. Knowing that, the, the type of appreciation that they get from the people who actually buy the bottles, um, I, I think is is great. I mean, we, the, the response that we would get from our fans was 
outstanding. It, it you know, makes, makes the whole job worthwhile. Alongside bourbon barrel-aged imperial stouts that showcase a wealth of weird and wonderful ingredients, another style of beer that remains firmly on an upward trajectory is hazy, hop-forward pale ales and IPAs. And their longevity even caught Mobley a little off guard. Oh, for sure. I, I've, I've, and I've been wrong on a, on a bunch. I mean, when hazy IPA first came around, you know, we, we started talking about it. Bottle logic. We're like, should we do this? And I'd always said, I, I don't think this is going to last. I think it's going to be a fad and I, I don't really want to, you know, dedicate a bunch of time to doing this if it's going to be something that just fizzles out. Cause I'm somebody who like a drink with my eyes first, you know, and, and, <laughs> upon being poured you look at a hazy ipa and you're like that looks like mud water i don't know if i want to drink that but you know as it time went on and it was pretty clear that this wasn't going anywhere and i really dove into you know what they are as far as ingredients and process and i mean they're they're very complicated beers to to make uh, especially to get a consistent level of haze so that that was one that was you know i was surprised. I was very surprised, um, not only at the, the consumer response, but also just really how, how difficult those beers are to make well, you know, and then all, all the, the new, like, you know, fruited sours. And there's this, now there's this whole new move for what people are calling smoothie style Berliner Weisses, where they're actually keeping like, like fruit pulp, like they're using puree and the whole goal is to have that remain so the beer is actually thick like a smoothie and it's just it's it's crazy to watch you know these things that you never would think would take hold and people are all about it and while Mobley is leaving his options open when it comes to the beers he might go on to produce at rad beer in the short term his attention will firmly be on lagering rather than barrel aging i'd say on on average i i do lagers for 35 to 45 days and that's that's if i if i'm using like you know a very traditional german strain they just have to be handled in a different manner there are lager yeasts that can turn a little bit faster but in the interest of i mean i've i've always wanted to be able to like really focus in on the german style lagers i i gained an enormous appreciation for them while i was over in munich for brewing school and um, I have gotten to make a few here and there, but I've never really been able to just keep cranking out the same recipes and perfecting it on, on those German lagers. So uh, we're going to be doing a good amount of that. With Radbeer scheduled to open in Anaheim this month, Mobley is understandably excited about the road ahead. Yeah, I think initially I was uh, a little disappointed when that, that first deal fell through, but... Um, you know, after deciding to take on partners, I just got more and more excited about actually getting something up and running with these guys. We've got a great team. We all are, we just get along really well. A lot of good minds there. The Brewers Journal Podcast is a production of Reby Media. Produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan. Engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision is by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. Special thanks to Dylan Mobley of Radbeer Company.